a health resort, a gambling center, a racetrack, a decisive battle. Saratoga Springs is known as the queen of the spas. For much of the 20th century, it catered to the body or to bedding. Much earlier though, there was also the Battle of Saratoga, a turning point in the American Revolution. Then the British unsuccessfully tried to cut off New England from the rest of the colonies by trying to take the upper Hudson River. Benedict Arnold played a very helpful role, you might be surprised to know. Feeling unappreciated though, he later became a turncoat. There's a statue of a lone boot in Saratoga National Historical Park, which supposedly represents Arnold's actions and his leg wound at Saratoga. The springs though, of course, that's what got the town the world's notice. Mineral water for drinking and bathing was long a European tradition for the health conscious. Plentiful mineral waters and helped by the railroad in 1831 brought a lot of tourism. You could visit bathhouses to cure your ailments. In the late 1800s though, the mineral springs were getting so depleted that the New York State Reservation was created in 1911 to conserve and protect things like Saratoga Springs' special mineral waters. But if it's horses that make you think of Saratoga, you'll want to know that in 1863, right after the Battle of Gettysburg and the Civil War, a wealthy gambler and future congressman, John Morrissey, hosted a four-day thoroughbred. It was a big success, and he and several others created a racehorse association and built what would become one of the three oldest racetracks in America. Health, history, horses. That's the slogan of the city of Saratoga. And that's all I know about it. Well, until recently. It's a new way of living and I'm trying to get used to it One park blues, half an ounce of an idiot Ordered a Manhattan and they call me a city, yeah At first I hurt my feelings but it's kinda got a ring to it When you move to the country they can tell when you're new to it I'm looking at a place but I'm trying to keep fitting in It takes too long to be a local so for now I'm a city, yeah I'm Matt Zucker, and this is City It, learning to live and love life in the Hudson Valley. Episode 69. Saratoga Performing Arts Center, or SPAC as it's known, has a 50-plus year history. Ground was officially broken for the amphitheater in 1964 by Governor Nelson A. Rockefeller. Over time, it became the summer home for the New York City Ballet and the Philadelphia Orchestra. Harry Belafonte performed in 1967. And in 1978, superstar dancer Mikhail Baryshnikov made his New York City Ballet debut at SPAC. SPAC is just about half an hour north of Albany, which makes it just about an hour and a half or so from most places in the Hudson Valley and Catskills. This city, it didn't just speak to someone at SPAC. I spoke to Elizabeth Sobel, president and CEO of SPAC. You know I love to learn about new places upstate and new people, and this episode, we do both. You'll hear about Elizabeth's journey to leading SPAC, her discovery and full-on love of Saratoga, what's on this season at SPAC, from jazz to the ballet, plus a delicious innovation, choreographer's feast. Dancers do eat. 
and of course the Philadelphia Orchestra, for which there's a ticket giveaway for Sidiots, courtesy of Elizabeth and Speck. And be sure to hear part three, especially if you ever want to visit Saratoga. You'll hear about the weekend itinerary she has already planned for me and Brian, although he doesn't know that yet. Hi, Elizabeth. Hey, how are you doing? Welcome to City It. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Oh, me too. I'm really excited to speak to you. I'm not a quite a performer, but I'd like to think of myself as a performer. Well, you certainly are. Podcasts are the <laughs> ultimate performance in my mind. I miss live entertainment. great, although live podcasting is pretty popular right now too, but I don't have the courage. Well, I'm an insomniac, and so podcasts get me through my misery many nights. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. Well, I hope this becomes yeah. one of yours. Can't wait. So tell me about what you do. So before I say what I do, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my path to what I do now, because I think it kind of fits in with the, the, of the show. I grew up in a small town in North Carolina. And it's kind of semi-rural and spent lots of time out in nature, learning about the natural world. My grandmother grew up on a farm with 13 siblings and her mother taught her about plant medicine because there were no doctors that went out to the farm. So you had to treat yourself with what grew around you. And so I grew up with that love of the natural world and just feeling a part of it and everything. But I also grew up studying the piano and I thought I was going to be a performer. And then around the age of 18, I realized I did not have what it took to be a great pianist. And so I ended up going to New York City and getting involved in the music management business started with a little startup that word didn't even exist at the time. It was a little basement apartment on West 85th street where these two amazing human beings decided to make a go in the music management business. And you know, the phone would ring three times a week and two of those would be one of the founder's moms calling to see how the business was doing. I mean, it was really, really startup. But then we got bought by IMG. And mm, big music company. On this like big skyrocketing, went from startup to global leader in the field over about a two decade trajectory. And I kind of rode that rocket, which was amazing, and went from being intern to managing director over a number of decades, kind of everything there was to do at IMG. It was an amazing experience. And then later on, after I'd done a lot of time <laughs> in every sense of the word at IMG, I was recruited by Universal Music to start a new label at Universal. And for what it's worth was the only female label head at the, at the whole company at the time. So th these are like very interesting, very cool, you know, very interesting jobs to do, particularly as a woman in the entertainment field and everything. But by 2016, I had worked so hard for so long. And my husband and I, my husband's Cuban, he was living in Miami. We had an apartment in Miami and I was finally going to go back to the apartment and be able to go to the beach. And about four days into my sort of retirement, the phone rang and this person said, you know, I'm from blah, 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 search firm. And we're doing the search for the new president of SPAC and your name keeps coming up. And I said, because I'd never been to Saratoga Springs before, yeah, I'm looking at the ocean here from my balcony and let me describe it to you. And you're going to tell me why in the world I would ever move to upstate New York. And I totally blew it off summarily dismissed it. Luckily, I had some friends in the business who started calling me going, are you out of your mind? Like you and Saratoga are made for each other. Get over yourself and just go up there. 
and see what the city is like. Because in all those years that I was running IMG and I was a talent manager to a lot of talent that were going to Tanglewood, to Saratoga, to Wolf Trap, to all the major summer festivals, I would go frequently to Tanglewood. I had never made it to Saratoga. But the point is that when I did finally get over myself and came to Saratoga on a cool June Sunday afternoon, and I ended up walking into the city Walked by Congress Park, which is a glory, a magnificent glory of a park with fountains and architectural beauties. And then walked into the town, turned on a tiny little street where I saw a place called Lyrical Ballad Bookstore that turns out it's one of the best antiquarian bookstores in the Northeast. Turned left on another little rambling street, ended up having a fabulous Italian meal, walked onto what's called Caroline Street, turned up. It started hearing amazing music of all kinds, live jazz, cover bands, world, all sorts of music coming out of multiple doors as I walked up the street. Got to Broadway, took a left, and now discovered that there was another Northshire bookstore, which I knew very well from Manchester, Vermont, where I would frequently go in the summer. One of the best indie bookstores on the East Coast. And now on top of the bookstore, I'm seeing just exquisite historical preservation that sort of really is a hallmark of downtown Saratoga. Yeah, it's got a big history, right? It's a really beautiful, it dates back, storied place, as they say. It is a storied place. And, you know, what I sensed as I was walking down the street was a sense of ethos around green space, around literature, around music, around historic preservation. It's almost like the city spoke to me and was like, you want to live here. (laughs) So I did end up taking the job and came here. SPAC, the Saratoga Performing Arts Center, the job that I took the, you know, took the job as the president of SPAC sits in one of New York State's flagship parks called the Spa State Park. 2,400 acres of woodland walks, geysers and creeks and streams, historic um, architecture, particularly going back to the 20s and 30s. And most importantly, this is sort of like the, the real identity of Saratoga, that there are curative mineral springs here that go back, you know, the Algonquian people tended the waters here and came here as sort of a curative trips to to Saratoga to be in these in these curative waters. So the mineral springs have been part of Saratoga's history going back 10,000 years. And that continues to, to bring people to the city. How did the music tradition start? In addition to the springs, there's also, as happens when you've got tourists, and, and in this case, a lot of high-end tourists coming to the area. There was a lot of gambling. There was horse racing going back to the late 1800s. So that brought a particular kind of clientele. And with that clientele, music and performance started springing up. There were different types of clubs and performing arts venues. But then SPAC didn't come along until the 1960s after a lot of the, the great epic hotels that existed back in the late 19th century one by one were knocked down, burned, whatever. There's a couple vestiges of some of the hotels left, but it changed markedly 
so the city as virtually every city has gone through cycles of rising from the ashes and then going you know going through difficult times and so in the 60s some of the regions philanthropists and boosters and whatever decided that there should be a performing arts venue here in the park and then governor Rockefeller was a big supporter of what was going on and a lot of key philanthropic families here helped funded what became SPAC. And the origin of SPAC is that they went to the two key, some of the greatest performing arts organizations or entities literally in the world, the Philadelphia Orchestra, then under the baton of Eugene Ormandy, New York City Ballet at that time under the direction of George Balanchine, they created SPAC so that the, like the, the dance floor, the floor of the amphitheater is really Balanchine's floor. And the rehearsal rooms in back were the same size and footprint as the actual stage. So that when the dancers were rehearsing, they could be rehearsing in this massive rehearsal room exact with the exact same footprint that they would have when they came out. Yeah, so people that may not know, right, that SPAC is the summer home of the Philadelphia Orchestra. Yep. And the New York City Ballet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so this is the living room, so it needs incredible. to be. It's really incredible. I mean, to think that a city of 30,000, which is what Saratoga is, hosts these two world-class ensembles and except for COVID has done so uninterruptedly since 1966 is astonishing. In addition to SPAC, Cafe Lena, the longest running folk music venue in North America has incredible lineup of folk and hip hop and jazz and it, it's an amazing lineup of artists the tang museum up at skidmore is an unbelievable world-class museum there's the beekman arts beekman arts districts it's really an incomparable cultural and arts destination that people don't realize the sheer volume and level of what goes on here 365 days a year not just in the summer in the summer season. So in the summer, you have all these musicians and dancers running around. Do, do they hang out together? Do they like play rugby? Oh God, I hope they don't play rugby, but do they play lacrosse or something together? Do they play table tennis? I mean, do they, do they interact? Oh, well, so the ballet is here in July for a week and then the orchestra come for three weeks, primarily in August. So they're oh, okay. not overlapping. You see the musicians and the dancers when they're here in residence out and about town. So yeah, they all love coming to SPAC because I mean, imagine you're getting out of the city, you're coming up here, you're doing what you love doing, but you've also got a day off here and you're, yeah. you've got walk in the park, you can go horseback riding, you can drive up to the Adirondacks, 6 million acres of Adirondack Parkland or 45 minutes from here. Lake George is 30 minutes from here. For me in, in Red Hook, you're about an hour and a half, which isn't far. Catskill too, I think would say. Yeah. from Kingston about an hour and a half. So it's not far, it's within, within an evening or yeah. a day. I've been here now five and a half years. I can't imagine living any place but Saratoga at this point. I confess to having tremendous Hudson envy because there are definitely things about Hudson that I, you know, particularly like the food scene and just the art scene is very different there. And in Saratoga, is there a, is there a term like city that's used for people from the city? No, actually. And I, I think it's it's one of the charming things about Saratoga is that there's very little cynicism and mm. maybe 
because we don't have a lot of big influx. I mean, we're starting to now. I mean, during COVID, a lot of people were buying houses sight unseen and everything. But I think one of the charming things is there isn't that sense of like, oh my God, here come the here come the New Yorkers or whatever. It's just sort of like, oh wow, hey, welcome to town. When I first moved to Saratoga, we didn't have a car in the city, but we did have a car in Miami that we had sent up here. December was the official box office that we'd do like a box office opening and sell our holiday packages and stuff like that. And so the very day that I was supposed to do my first official box office opening, it started to snow. And we pulled out of our uh, parking lot where we were staying out into a very heavily snowy street in our car from Miami that had neither four-wheel drive nor snow tires and promptly got stuck. Yeah. And six people got out of their cars and my husband was like, oh my God, what are they coming to? And they all came to like push us out, you know, push us out of the snow. Uh. And, and my husband was like, oh, they were coming to help. Excited to share that Hudson Valley Kitchen Design Center, an area expert for kitchens, bathrooms, pantries, offices, closets, and yes, even home movie theaters, is now a sponsor of Cityit. Now, when you've got a room to rethink, refresh, or reimagine, you know who to call. For Cityit listeners, just mention the podcast to save $500 off a project of $5,000 or more. See recent projects and fun on Instagram, HV Kitchen Design Center. Visit their site at hvkitchendesign.com or call 845-615-9410 about a consultation. Links also from cityat.com. Thanks, Hudson Valley Kitchen Design Center. I can already feel Brian dialing your number. Now back to the show. So tell me about this season. What's on over the next couple of months that you're excited about? Very end of June, we've got uh, Freihoffer's Saratoga Jazz Festival, which is the longest continuously running jazz fest in North America. It's been around for 45 years. Oh. And it's a, it's a major festival. It's up there with, you know, Newport and Andre and, you know, the, the big jazz festivals. It's a two-day festival. We have the amphitheater. Just to tell you a little bit about what SPAC is, we have a 5,200-seat amphitheater and then the lawn seats another 20,000, right? So oh, big lawn. you're here, you feel the expansiveness of being, you know, you're in a park and you feel nature like just is so palpable. And so during Jazz Fest, people come with their blankets and their coolers and some of them sit out on the lawn and some people sit in the amphitheater. We have the amphitheater going on and then we have a second stage on the other side of the field. And so we have the bigger names going on in the amphitheater and we call the discovery stage going on across the field from there. So a lot of the more up and coming bands, it's an amazing, amazing weekend because you can just hang from like 11 to 11 and hear some of the greatest, greatest jazz. And we, it's not just strict jazz. I mean, we have Latin funk blues, global beats and everything. So it's one of my favorite, favorite weekends all year. And then in the middle of July is when we welcome New York City Ballet, which is always incredibly exciting. You know, people think, oh, ballet company, you don't realize it's like 90 dancers and another 80 or 90 musicians and a crew of, it's like, there's 250 people descend on 
Saratoga that make up the New York City Ballet. We have everything from a program of the masters like Balanchine, Robbins, versus Cunningham, but we, then we also have a program of some of the up-and-coming younger uh, choreographers like Justin Pack, like Jamar Roberts, Ham Tanowitz. And then, of course, we've got Story Ballet, Midsummer Night's Dream, which has a big history here at SPAC. We opened our inaugural season. Midsummer Night's Dream was one of the key pieces. We have a culinary arts at SPAC program that kind of weaves in and out of what we do with our main programming. So on July 11, we have a, a culinary event called Choreographer's Feast, which will be featuring a meal inspired by recipes that come from all the choreographers whose works are going to be represented on the New York City Ballet. Wow. So yeah. dancers do eat. They do. And a lot of them are really good cooks, which we discovered last year. And by the way, Balanchine, last year we did one of these meals and it was based on Balanchine, but not Balanchine, the choreographer. Balanchine as the food pioneer. He was a forager, believe it or not. He also loved cooking dishes from his native Georgia. And so a lot of the herbs and spices that come with Georgian cuisine were not readily available in those years, long before we had fresh herbs and grocery stores and that sort of thing. So when he came to Saratoga in the summer, the people whose farm he stayed on would give him a plot to make a garden in, and he would raise all these herbs that he couldn't get otherwise. And so he's cooking, he loved making bread, he loved making ice creams. And so this meal was really sort of a culinary love letter to, to, to Balanchine. So we're constantly trying to weave these different themes into these culinary events. And then, you know, we too are in a very rich farming area. There are so many incredible farmers, like we get a lot of our organic produce and locally sourced produce and obviously meats and poultry and, and even fish from local providers. So that's a big, big part of our ethos around culinary arts. And then end of July, we have Philadelphia Orchestra coming and it's a very rich and diverse season. They come for three weeks. They do 12 completely different programs, which is unheard of. They don't do that anywhere else in anywhere else, I think in the world to do that many programs, different programs per week. A lot of core classical works, like we're finishing um, the season with Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, the Ode to Joy, which is kind of our theme of the whole season. We're back, it's joyous. Philadelphia Orchestra with its music director, Yannick Nezisigin, who's a beloved and amazing musician. And that last week will be very much for people who have core classical tastes. But then we also have film nights. We have Harry Potter with live orchestra. We have Princess Bride with live orchestra. We've got um, the incredible singer Lettucey doing a tribute to Nina Simone that is with the Philadelphia Orchestra. Ooh, cool. We will also have on July 25th, a culinary event paying tribute to the orchestra and to its music director, Yannick, who hails from Canada, from Quebec, Montreal. And so we're bringing down a rising superstar chef named Dominique Labelle, who is going to cook a really glorious meal, which will actually be served on the massive amphitheater stage, which will be a very, very unique and wonderful experience. One last thing is that we have Chamber Music Society of Lincoln Center in residence at SPAC every summer. And last year we brought them back 
we couldn't go inside into the Spa Little Theater because of COVID concerns. So we took them out to an amazing place called Pitney Meadows Community Farm, which is exactly what it sounds like. It is an incredible farm and they have this beautiful high tunnel and we set it up to do concerts in there so that we could offer live music last summer, but in a safe environment where we were socially distanced and it was fresh air and all of that. And it was so successful because it's such a gloriously beautiful location with that exquisite music that people clamored to have it back at Pitney Meadows this year. So how do you decide what to, what to put on it at, at SPAC? Are there certain operating principles or themes or what are the guiding things? What, what's very SPAC and what's not? So when I came here, I came from the entertainment world and had worked with a lot of artists across many, many different genres. So I had a lot of ideas about personally about where I wanted to see SPAC going. But I also knew that this was, you know, an organization that had a lot of history, a lot of tradition, and a lot of people who support SPAC both by donating because we are a 501c3 and we are able to operate because of the tremendous generosity of the community. So preserving and paying homage to our tradition was really, really important. That's, that's always been a guiding principle. So that primarily is the ballet and the orchestra, but also Chamber Music Society of Lincoln Center, which is a more recent addition, but, but preserving those traditions is exceedingly important. At the same time, as we all know in the classical arts, that those are in general diminishing followings for the traditional arts. And so how do you make, how do you take tradition and make it appealing to younger audiences, more diverse audiences? And so that is something that we've been doing. So for instance, you know, bringing Lettucey to do this um, evening of Nina Simone, that like that's a, if you've got the lush Philadelphia orchestra, you're gonna have extraordinary charts that sound like the best orchestral writing, but you've got this incredible vocalist who's what, 14, 18 Grammy nominations. I can't remember how many paying homage to one of the greatest American artists of all time. So that's just one little example of how we're trying to take the traditional residencies. And obviously Beethoven 9, there's nothing more canonic in the classical music repertory than Beethoven 9. But then you've also got Lettucey. And then you're also doing film nights because let's face it, like if you think about particularly John Williams scores for some of oh, the yeah, sure. of all time, like that is some of the best orchestral writing ever, ever done. Like put it up there with like the great, you know, canonical. I love watching movies with live music. It's so exciting. It is so amazing. So we'll have seven, 8,000 people through our gates to watch Harry Potter. And, you know, they love the movie. And a lot of times they don't realize that one of the reasons they love it so much is this incredible score that they feel in a different and more palpable way. There's so much, there's so much more to be done. We're only still baby steps in the in the sort of classics world but bringing the kind of diversity into the programming through both the artists the choreographers the composers there's definitely a, a, a big shift in SPAC's programming for the summer and then just thinking about all the different constituents of like the core classical the the even within the ballet you know, there's some people who are like, give me more storybook ballet and I want to bring my kids and my grandkids. And then other people are going, oh my God, I've seen Midsummer Night's Dream like 15 times. Can't you give me something new? So making sure that we're 
preserving the tradition, but also promoting the innovation that's happening and that we're providing things for the traditionalists who want to hear the same repertoire, love seeing, hearing the same repertoire repeatedly, and the other people who want that burst of, you know, discovery. That's great. Love the performing arts? Want to experience Saratoga Performing Arts Center? You're in luck. SPAC is providing a pair of tickets to City of Listeners on Friday, July 29th as violinist Joshua Bell and soprano Larissa Martinez come together with the Philadelphia Orchestra to present Voice in the Violin, an evening of beloved romantic arias and modern classics. That's right, it's Voice in the Violin with Joshua Bell and Larissa Martinez performing with the Philadelphia Orchestra on Friday, July 29th at 7.30 p.m. at the stunning Saratoga Performing Arts Center. Tickets are in sections 8 to 10. The value is $86 each, which is 172 value for the pair. If you'd like your chance to win, just send in your name, email, address, and phone number with your own story of being a city at under 800 words. We want to hear stories of people being naive or learning something new in the move from the city to the Hudson Valley, Catskills, Berkshires, Upstate, or wherever you call country. Deadline is Friday, June 24th at midnight, and a winner will be announced on July 1st. Can't wait to hear your stories and give away these tickets. More info on the episode 69 page at cityat.com. Now back to the show. I, I know you're president of SPAC, but maybe for a second you could pretend to be mayor of Saratoga. And I'm um, Sam coming up. I bought tickets for something on Thursday or Friday night, but I'm going to stay overnight somewhere. What do you think my itinerary should be? What would you have me do? Say oh, I, yeah. you're only an hour and a half away, so I would say I get up there around noon and I'm not leaving until, you know, the next day, late in the afternoon. Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is you can't just stay 24 hours. <laughs> okay. Maybe come up for a weekend. So okay, come for a weekend. Come for a weekend. So the first thing I would say is you're going to go up to Skidmore, which is at the north end of the of the city. And if you feel like doing a little hike, there are fabulous trails right at Skidmore called the Northwoods of Skidmore. And you get in there and you you're right on the edge of town, but you feel like you're very remote. So you can get in a little hike there. And then you're going to walk over to the Tang Museum and see the ridiculously amazing exhibitions they have at the Tang Museum. And so then you'll probably come downtown and you're going to walk the streets. You're going to walk Broadway. You're going to go off and around into some of the shops, amazing shops. If you're a book lover, you've got to go to North Shire Books and you've got to go to Lyrical Ballad Bookstore. If you have time, you should walk over to Beekman Street Art District and walk around to the galleries and little restaurants and stuff like that. You absolutely need to make an opportunity to go to Cafe Lena for a show. It is a not to miss place to go. There's also an amazing place called Universal Preservation Hall that's right across Broadway from Cafe Lena. And definitely look and see what kind of, they've got a very varied lineup for what they do. You might check Yaddo, the incredible artist's retreat place that goes back a hundred years. Leonard Bernstein was there. Aaron Copeland, James Baldwin, Ralph Ellison, Sylvia Plath. So if if the gardens at Yaddo are open, you should definitely go. And then you have to make a stop at Saratoga Arts, which is kind of the beating heart of downtown Saratoga. There's always an amazing show or a couple of exhibitions in there. If you've got children and you want to do Ride the Carousel, that's right behind Saratoga Arts, right in Congress Park. It's lovely to take your kids down there and they walk around the park. 
see all the amazing statues and fountains and everything. And then if you've gotten all that stuff under your belt, then you can come down to the south end of the city where Spa State Park is. There are golf courses, there are tennis courses, there are two pools, tons of hiking trails, the, the curative mineral springs, the historic Roosevelt Spa, where you can take the waters in the original tubs with the curative waters piped in and then all the other spa treatments that are available. And then you can end up at SPAC and you will feel so great. You can eat in the Hall of Springs, which is a beautiful 1935 building with a lot of history to it, where there's pre-show dining if you're here on a SPAC show night. And if not, you come onto the grounds, there's lots of great food options and you just either spread out a picnic and eat under the stars, sit on the lawn or come on into the amphitheater for a show. You can also stay in the park. The Gideon Putnam Hotel is oh, really? a hotel right in the park. Nice. Has great big rocking chairs, like you're out under the pines, rocking in your rocking chair, and then you can amble over to SPAC and then amble back. You are uh, a good tour guide. Hey, I love this place. Shows. Yeah. Great. Thanks to Elizabeth and Saratoga Performing Arts Center. Excited to come for a performance and a weekend. Reminder to visit Cydia.com for details on how you can win a complimentary pair to SPAC for the Friday, July 29th performance with the Philadelphia Orchestra. Details on the episode 69 page. Deadline to enter is Friday, June 24th, 2022. There's also a blog post about visiting Saratoga. Also on the blog is the City at Pride listing of events across towns in the area. We're deep into Pride Month, so you can see what's still going on. You can also subscribe to the free City at newsletter, rate and review the show, and follow City at on Instagram. I'm Matt Zucker, and thanks for listening. Come visit. Down in the valley moved up from the city, it's a new way of living, and I'm trying to get used to it. One park people's have an ounce of an idiot, ordered a Manhattan, and they call me a city, yeah. And it first hurt my feelings, but it's kind of got a ring to it. When you move to the country, they can tell when you're new to it. I'm looking at a place, but I'm trying to keep fitting in. It takes too long to be a local, so for now, I'm a city, yeah. I'm a city, yeah. I'm a city, yeah. Thank you.